Okay, so Tom, Jack, we need to organise a time to record the podcast, but like now our exams are done. We're finished with uni work. Congrats, by the way. Um, Thank you. I think we've all got quite busy schedules. Massively don't we? busy schedules. I'm I am a busy man, <laughs> notoriously. <laughs> I've got it so up you, in front of me now. Like, I'll get my Google Calendar up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's see, like this evening? No, I can't do this evening. That doesn't work. Oh, oh no! I've got. We're. I'm watching Sewing Bee. Mm. Yeah, so I'm also watching Sewing Bee. It's. It's. You actually. We I was going to go to pets at home. Oh, okay. Okay. Just to look at the the pets. The pets that you could okay. have in your home. Mm. Yeah. Um. Okay. So what about tomorrow morning? No, that doesn't work. I've got a rap battle then. I'm washing my hair. Um. Okay. Tomorrow afternoon. I'm washing Jack's no, I'm hair. Yeah, and then plucking my eyebrows. Okay. Um. What about um. This weekend? No, that doesn't really work either. I was going to take a nap the entire weekend. You're going to take a nap the entire weekend? That's a really long nap. That does sound like an excuse. Well, I've, I've, I've had a busy week. I've just explained what's happening. Well, what's been <laughs> happening, to be fair, after a week of having your hair washed and eyebrows then plucked. Don't forget my rap battle. Oh, don't forget your rap battle as well. That, who's that with? Adam's mum. Adam's mum. <laughs> Sorry, Ange. We'd <laughs> 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 <Good> love Ange. <laughs> No, I no no. This weekend doesn't uh, work for me either. I'm um, entertaining the Spanish Inquisition, mm. <laughs> and you're going rock climbing. I'm going rock climbing. Mm. This was news to me, unexpected. Some may say, like a certain Inquisition. Right. Well, I think that means we have to record right now. Now what? That is a disgrace. You're reassured. I'm reassured. Not another mistake. Were made. Peppa Pig World. Pigs is Obi Wan Kenobi. The truth is, he's Jabba the Hutt. live rent free in his bed. Tofu eating. Woke karate. Hello, welcome back to Any Politics. I'm Adam, joined by Emily. Hello. Uh, boy, joined by Tom. You, this is where you say hi. He Tom nodded. He nodded. He nodded, <laughs> which is really, really good for all the listeners listening and the lack of audio, uh, lack of vi- visual aid to this episode. And we're joined by a first time guest, debut. Guest Jack, hello Jack. Hello. Of Outline Fame and um, Jim Shark and the Men and the Men, <laughs> the infamous podcast which is yet to exist, but it will soon. Um, One day. <laughs> um, Jack's on today to talk about. Um, Jack's in a band, a famous big band, Outline. If you've heard of them, and uh, they're going. <laughs> they probably haven't. <laughs> no, but you will. You have now. Um, and today we're going to talk about with Jack about um, his favourite. Political protest songs Hot throughout history. Politics and kind of a bit of a timeline any, about it. Yeah, that's politics. There's, there's no need to get political. <laughs> well, um, actually, well, unfortunately, that's the whole point of the show. What did um, you do in the band? I was lead singer. You're lead singer. You're lead singer. Mm. Yeah, yeah. What did you, you do? do anything else? The band currently. Yeah, I play happens. guitar. You play guitar. Yeah. Do you do anything else? Mm. <laughs> I, do, I do a lot of like production. Play a little bit of keys. Did you do anything else? You, you just jangled your keys in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> it's percussion. Um, you have any so more questions? Inflation. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So the first, the first thing we wanted to talk about is inflation, and because it's economics, that got left to me. So if anyone doesn't understand after my explanation, sucks to be you, I guess. But um, so inflation, guys, it is happening. It's still going on. But in the news this week is about um, supermarkets and inflation in food prices. So the overall rate for inflation in supermarkets is about 9%, um, which is very high. It's supposed to be around 2%, 
um, everywhere, but alas, that is not the case. So, sorry, what's that I hear you ask? Why is inflation inflating? Do you ask Oh. <laughs> Do you have a comment to make, Thomas? <laughs> no, no, no. Um, no. I personally would love to know what is inflation yeah, no, and why is that happening. That's what we're sorry. That okay. came out really rude, Emily. Yeah, I that was really I rude. I that was really rude. If you hadn't given me a Nutella little bun earlier, I then uh, um, I would be upset. It's just that I don't respect or appreciate anything about the second half of your degree. Ooh. Right, so Ooh. inflation, <laughs> why is it happening? Um, so there's various reasons. Increased cost of energy due to lots of things, in particular the war in Ukraine, has uh, increased the cost of production of food and the transportation costs because the price of petrol is more and the shortage of heavy goods vehicle drivers um, because of a little-known thing called Brexit has all made the price of producing and transporting food a lot higher. So that increased cost has been passed on to the consumer. Yeah, and um, wholesale gas prices have begun to fall, but then that takes a quite a bit of time to trickle down into mm. like the price of your cheese. So that's what's going on. And then yeah, Ukraine is the breadbasket of Europe, so it's the the biggest. We're we talking about cheese. Oh, okay. Well, now onto bread. Um, okay, Ukraine is there. is the breadbasket of Europe and is the biggest exporter of grain. And obviously, it's not prioritizing it's that at the moment. They're prioritizing the grain, yeah. their own. Safety and survival. Yeah. Worry about that in my exam. Oh, congrats! Ukraine as well is, is the largest export of grain. I had to talk about economics in my exam. It's the most disgusting thing I've ever had to do. Mm. So, um, yeah, Brian, <laughs> um, if you're listening, give us a grade, I guess. Like, <laughs> also, on. the weather in Europe and Africa has made harvests less productive. Wait a minute. Whoa, wait. Climate change is going to affect yeah. our food as so well as everything else. No. Uh, the de- uh, yeah, so the decrease in supply of these foods um, have led to increase in prices. It's simple economics, guys. So it's like supply side stuff, isn't it? Yes. It's not yeah. really demand side. The demand is no. The demand pretty much equal, stayed the same. But there's la- there's not it's as supply much stuff. chain issues. Therefore, yeah. there's less stuff, so people pay more for that stuff. Yes, because yeah, stuff, 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 stuff. So. Um, The reason we're talking about it is because the government have said that they're in talks with supermarkets about putting a cap on prices for certain essential food items, for example, bread and milk, Um, which sounds like a good idea, because if it keeps the if it puts a cap, then the prices of these goods can only increase to to the maximum. Uh, And then surely it keeps the price for food down. Well, uh, no, because, well, it's not very helpful because. Uh, similar things were introduced in the 1970s by Nixon and Callahan, and was it really that effective? Not really. But also, there's a couple of other things that are instrumental here, is that, firstly, it would be a voluntary agreement, so the supermarkets could just ignore it. So the government are like, hey guys, please can you, please, if you're, please just keep the price of your bread down to this level, please. It's quite funny, like, it's just, like, the, the, it's a posturing, isn't it? It's an optics thing. The government are like, oh, we've set out this standard for supermarkets to not increase the price of stuff, but it's voluntary, so no yeah. one's going to do it. But also they've said, if you read more about it, so it, it says it's voluntary, but then also it's saying that supermarkets would be expected to um, select a few items that they would allow to be capped and then wow so it's literally saying you can choose which what yeah product yeah that, that's fantastic isn't it? wow but also the other thing is supermarkets are one of the most competitive markets um so if one cuts their prices then others 
probably will follow. So, yeah, for example, in the form of like the Audi price matches if, and stuff, you know, if Sainsbury's did go, okay, yeah, we will um, join this agreement and we will cap bread at this amount, then the likelihood is that other supermarkets would naturally follow and then bring their prices of bread down to remain competitive. So in that way, it could work. But then also that just renders the whole thing pointless because like the government hasn't really done anything. Um, for example, they there was a, a general price uh, a cut in the price of milk, um, just a voluntary, like one of the supermarkets started it and everyone followed recently. So it's not... Um, it's the government just being a bit like it's just pointless. Um, it's posturing to make them look like they're doing something yeah. exactly. It. We were talking about this yesterday, and it's like it's this is also as we said, the inflation is caused by supply side issues. Yeah, they're not doing anything to kind of try and handle those things. And to be yeah. fair, those are big issues. You can't just like fix it. But this is a on the on the end of it, make it trying to make it look like the government's doing something to tackle it when yeah. it's a voluntary thing. So the government um, can go out and say, oh, we put a price cap on these things, but yeah. then they don't tell you that the supermarkets can choose the items that are price capped and opt in on price capping it anyway. Because people are also saying, well, oh, supermarkets are taking advantage of the increase um, in the cost of producing things and then like adding that taking advantage of that and increasing the cost of things too much to then um, make larger profits. Well, that actually isn't necessarily true and it's a, uh, because there was a study by the Food Alliance Sustain that found that for a block of cheese costing about £2.50, supermarkets make about 2.5p profit. So some luxury goods have larger profit margins, but on average, supermarkets make 5p profit for each pound they sell. Um, and Tesco, this is about 4p per pound, and Sainsbury's about 3p per pound. So actually, the supermarkets, bless them, they're trying their best to keep the prices as low as possible, but it is these supply-side issues that are creating the problem. It's not the profit-hungry supermarkets necessarily. It depends on the supermarket, obviously. It depends are. on the supermarket, I bought a and it depends on the good. From Waitrose. Ooh. Ooh, a cauliflower. A cauliflower yeah. from Waitrose. I mean, a cauliflower salad Ooh. with a cauliflower, cauliflower. from Waitrose. Mm. Is that it? Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> That's your story. Was it good? Yeah, well, um... Okay, so the rate of inflation for grocers and supermarkets is about 9%, as I said earlier. Um, but this has been driven mainly by luxury goods and non-food goods. In particular, so coffee and chocolate, the price of those have been um, inflating the most because of the weather in Africa. Um, so the government's saying, oh, we're going to put a cap on bread and milk to counteract the inflation. It's not actually that helpful because the things that are causing that 9% increase isn't necessarily bread and milk. Um, so, again... To it's, be fair, though, the, the um, a p price of a pint of milk went up to 93p. Yes, yes. So, yeah, supermarkets have... like Obviously, things are going up because, oh, I've written here, the rate of inflation for food is going down, which means that the prices are rising, but not as fast as before um but supermarkets are trying to tackle it themselves for example the price of milk was reduced by 5p in april however so now it's 90p a pint but that is double pre-pandemic levels Still ridiculous. so it is ridiculous this is i'm not saying inflation isn't a problem it is a problem but what the government are trying to do to tackle it is not helpful um but it looks for people who aren't paying attention yes. they're like oh wait my, you know, because that's, I think most people feel the inflation at the yeah. market. You know, yeah. my food bill has gone up like 
15 pounds from the start of last year uh, and you just that's where you notice it so the government are trying to make it look like they're doing more to tackle this problem yeah. when they've done nothing and you know we've got what should be done here one of the big ones hang on i've got two more bullet points <laughs> oh, sorry, my friend before we get the to the yeah done. this is my section okay <laughs> we've got economics i'm thriving and you're Do skipping my bullet no, points also how right, the politics these students know the price of a pint of milk as well just so they don't yeah. I actually don't know, how yeah. <laughs> don't know how much a pint of milk is well I it's get, 90p actually, it's in the notes i drink oat milk so i, I which is cheaper at the moment by the liter yeah. exactly so um so the brc the trade association advocating for loads of retailers and importantly here supermarkets have said that this won't make much difference to the consumer which is what i was saying um, so well done, BRC, <laughs> for agreeing with me. And it, again, it's another example of the government looking at the cost of living crisis and trying to tackle the end problem. So they're seeing the problem is food is too expensive. So they're just going, oh, we'll just cap it like they did with the energy prices. But actually, um, they kind of should be tackling the root cause, such as the cost of energy, transport, labor, blah, 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 blah. So what can be done? Um the Bank of England are trying to tackle inflation by increasing the interest rate, which in- encourages saving and is that's for like demand driven inflation. But like that's kind of the only thing that the Bank of England can do. I don't really know how you fix this type of inflation because it is so fast. Bless you. And I, I don't really know what you're supposed to do, but whatever the government are doing now is not working. So they need to do something else. Um, I would also maybe suggest rejoining the single market in the EU. Uh, what? Um, just because one of the problems They're is... telling me that leaving one of the, the biggest international yeah. market in the world with loads and loads of free export agreements where you can get loads of stuff from loads and loads of places mm. in Europe was a really bad idea for what? our country. What? Yeah, because the transportation costs is one of the problems and one of the sitting queues and, and all the fruit and veg uh, but, going off. But we took back control. Yeah. Oh, how does how does control feel, guys? How does control feel? I feel so because I feel hungry. To be fair, hungry for success. To be fair, I do think this is a, a worldwide problem as well. And I think the EU, yeah, is but yeah, in yeah, yeah. Different Inflation ways, in EU is much lower than it is in the UK. That's not true. It's not true at all. Is it not? No, it's no. not. Um, actually, their food prices are going up more than ours. Oh. but it would help our food. Um, it's the same. They've got the oh, same problems, drama. but it would help. Our the problem of importing things would be less if we didn't have the problems. So we've also got the cost of importing foods as well, which they don't have. Yeah, as much of. Yeah, and also we don't have some of the labour. So like. Oh yeah. So nice. like the heavy goods vehicles, drivers and stuff is is like they're not here anymore. Fantastic. So yeah, that's inflation. How are we all feeling about that? Deflated. I got there first. I well saw it. Done. I saw it in your eyes, Jack, and I was like, "I'm gonna get there first. You took that joke and that really deflated, Jack. No, you can't just repeat the joke. Yeah, I can, you and can, I will. You can't. Should I tell my joke about the rat? No, please, dear God, no. Um, if a rat oh my God. walked down a road, I'm very sorry, listener. Oh no, fuck! I fucked it up. Whoops. If a rat walked down a street right. that had why is road and street? Why is the difference? Because it's really important. Right, listen for the... Pu- the right, joke. okay, let me start again. You've heard this earlier, Tom. If a rat earlier. walked down a street that Pretty had rough. a lot of potholes in it... Can you tell we're tired? Is it a road dent? Yep. Okay, right, so <laughs> Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson. Uh, we spoke about Boris Johnson last yeah, week. Yeah, we did. Emily, what's Up- the update? Update. So if you want to hear the, the mega beef, listen to last week's. The mega beef. Um, 
the update is well, except you can't buy beef because uh, it's too expensive. But Which, to be honest, you Ooh, shouldn't. So stop economics that. jokes with Emily. Um, the road dent was better. This is a vegan platform. Oh, Continue, Emily. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not allowing this vegan propaganda to seep through. Um, buy beef if you want. It doesn't really seep. It kind of just oozes. Um, what did Boris Johnson do? Okay, update. <laughs> They've extended the deadline for him to submit his evidence. So he has until Thursday, which is tomorrow for us. But yesterday, if you're listening on Friday. So, um, yeah. So he can submit the evidence until Thursday at 4 p.m. Instead of Tuesday, which is yesterday for us. Two days ago. For three did days ago. Did they do ago? this after the deadline? Or before? Um, like literally minutes before. Right, okay. I see um, what it is. It's like, uh, yeah. oh yeah, you know, oh, oh Boris, yeah, you put it in. You can put it in anytime you like. It's like you just don't know. We'll give you even more With time With the number of us. children he has, he hasn't really had problems putting things in before. But, um, wow. <laughs> but clearly, and our country as well. Hey. Oh, um, but yeah, so by the time this comes out, there's probably some more updates, but we can't try time travel. So um, just come find Emily and she'll just talk at you. Yeah, I will. Actually, yeah. I haven't got anything to do. <laughs> well, no, you do. We were very busy. Oh, yeah, we're very busy. Year. Sorry, yeah. I forgot. So After that hilarious it, cold open. It, it doesn't look like he's going to submit the evidence on time because I feel like if he was going to, he probably would have done it by now. But maybe he's just a kind of mm. up-to-the-deadline kind of guy, which yeah, I think... He's, he's doing all night. Yeah. To the wire. Yeah. It's um, just like, if there's, you know, I think everyone on this podcast has had their minds made up about whether or not he lied to Parliament. Wait, hang on, Jack. Do you think Boris Johnson has lied to Parliament? About the parties. Do you think he didn't know they were existing? <laughs> Did you know that Boris Johnson had any parties? Do you know who Boris Johnson is? <laughs> Not a party is. What's politics? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Emily Gray. <laughs> but basically, um, this this kind of Is stalling, this about Partygate? Yeah. I see. Do you think he lied to Parliament? Because that's the thing. If he lied to Parliament, then... Then he he's can, in, in deep he's shit. He's in big in trouble. You can't lie to Parliament. So then... Well, actually... On that, he changed the the rules of Parliament to make it so that he you can't knowing you can't knowingly mislead them. So you can lie. It's but if very you don't, intricate if you stuff. don't know it's a lie, and the point he's trying to claim ignorance and not know that it's a lie. But like, it's all bullshit in my opinion on this opinion show. He clearly knows he lied to Parliament. He knows that what he was doing in, in lockdown was wrong, and he can't have partied through it. And this stalling to give the evidence out is just a sign. I think he knows that, like, what's going to be found is that. Can he's kind of have, be held accountable finally? I, I think it. even if it is like face value, even if so, uh, we were to believe he, him, he was ignorant. Mm. Yeah, the prime minister of the no, United exactly. Kingdom the being ignorant apart. is. So, would you rather have someone who knowingly lied about the parties they were having, so they broke their own rules, or would you have someone who was so stupid they didn't realise they were breaking the rules they were setting? Neither mm. of those two options are great. The answer is not to have either of them, obviously. Yeah, and not not to get political, but it's a bit suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that's quite a political joke, actually. You know what? And I support that. Right, on to America, but forgive me. It's oh, yeah, so that's that's the UK done. Yes, I, the I'm done for the day. That's, you that's can back to... Bye, guys. Back, yeah, to kind of back to economics. Kind of? It's, it's politics, but it's kind this of economics. Is, this is completely economics. This is completely economics today. It's an economics thing, though, which is why I sound so dejected and sad. Because and I sound so happy. <laughs> um, so Biden, uh, President Biden and Congress uh, have agreed, uh, question mark, because when we're writing this, we don't, the deal hasn't been agreed, but it, it looks like it will be passed uh, to, to increase the debt ceiling. So what is the debt ceiling? What are all these words? What does it all mean? Basically, we're on the verge of a genuine catastrophe and no one's been talking about it as much. So the debt ceiling is the maximum amount of money that the United States can borrow cumulatively by issuing bonds. Emily, what is a bond? 
No, not James. <laughs> <laughs> not James. Not um, the thing that um, like little, what are they called? Like atoms, particles do? Covalent. Covalent bonds. Not um, those. Not, not those. those bonds. What is, what is These bond? are bonds as in government bonds. Woo! So basically <laughs> what happens is the government will be like, hey guys, we need some money. If you pay us, let's say ten pounds, just for the sake of argument, it won't yeah, be ten pounds. Way too cheap for government bond. Um, if you give us ten pounds on a specific date in the future, we will give you February next year. Yeah, we will give you your ten pounds plus a predetermined return. So it might be we'll give you twelve pounds. Um, so then that's a quick way for the government to quickly get the cash they need, yep. and then it to also pay for things like social services. Infrastructure, yeah. military, everything going and, to pay for. Um, it means that they get their money quickly, and then also investors are. It's quite a um, well. It should be quite a safe investment because you know you're, you're going to get you know you're going to get the money back. Well, depending on uh, anyway, you know you're going to get the money back, and also you know how much you're going to get and when. So it's quite a safe investment for investors. Um, the problem is when um, the bonds, the government doesn't pay back the bonds, yeah, which, which is, is when the whole economy fails because the the confidence in that government is lost. If you don't so believe then, the government can pay you back, then why then the government like fundamentally falls yeah. apart? If they don't pay you back, then when they issue a new set of bonds, everyone's going to go absolutely fuck no. I'm not, not paying. I'm not buying your bonds. I'll buy someone else's. And the government can't then pay for things. Yes, the government no has no money. So um, the debt ceiling is the is the, is the amount of money that the US can borrow, and it's set at a roughly yes. thirty one trillion dollars at the moment. And the, the, where the bonds come in is that quite often governments will issue more bonds to pay back the old bonds. Yeah. So if the debt ceiling, if they can't borrow, if they can't issue more bonds to pay back the old bonds, then the old bonds will expire, the, the investors won't get their money, and then people are going to lose complete faith in that government's ability to pay back their loans, and then everything is fucked. Exactly. So much like me and my overdraft. Yeah, yeah, kind of. The I mean, US government are approaching like a point where they can't borrow any more yeah, money. And it's like, and the, you know, this and you know, this isn't a very sustainable way of running a government. Obviously, you don't want to issue bonds to pay back previous bonds because you're just going to get further and further into debt. But anyway, the debt ceiling would basically mean that the US would default on its debt, and the ceiling has been raised throughout US history. Uh, basically, the ceiling was set in the Congress so that the Treasury Department of the US wouldn't have to ask. Um, Congress every time it wanted to issue a bond, every time it wanted to make an economic decision. So they've kind of given that to power to the Treasury, but up to a certain limit. And then Congress has to go, okay, we'll give you a bit more room to reset it. The debt ceiling was increased to 31 trillion at the start of Biden's term in December, I think it was December 2021. Um, so, and then it's basically, and throughout history, it hasn't been a political issue because everyone in government has kind of realized this would cause genuine catastrophe for the for the US economy and the world economy because if the US can't pay back um, its debts, then the whole system falls apart a little bit. And so they haven't really kind of, it hasn't been a debate topic. They've just gone, yep, of course we'll increase the debt ceiling. You can argue about whether or not how the US should spend its money, but you don't risk it. It's like, you know, nuking the economy. You don't risk it. It's, so you know, would you essentially have like, the financial crisis of 2008, but on the scale of a country rather than just banks. So 
genuinely, um, obviously we haven't yeah. gone through this before, but if the US did default on its debt, the financial crisis would look like a blip compared to the so state of the world economy after yeah. the US defaults. You do have, other countries yeah. will have experienced a similar thing in the past. Um, and because there, there is like a way of measuring how much confidence like people have in a country's government's ability to pay back the loans. Um, but because the US is such a major economic driver and like powerhouse that mm. if the if confidence in the american government to repay their loans goes then you are the whole royally like screwed on the banks but the, the run on the, the world. run on the what yeah, yeah run on the country it would be it would be a like it would genuinely like we don't yeah. know what it would look like but it would be fucking chaos it well because be the confidence would be, it's not no one can run on anything because a run on the banks is where you go and you take yeah, all your take money, money out. out but because the government aren't paying you back there wouldn't be a run on the government necessarily but it would be like my economics teacher would always go everything is about confidence and once the confidence goes then you're fucked and if the confidence the confidence has gone in such a massive yeah. institution like i don't know how you and it, it it's impossible to determine how quickly that can be rebuilt um yeah so yeah and uh, so, you know, this, this you know, the whole point of this is that they appear to have agreed a deal, even though, again, they shouldn't have had to. This this whole thing is a Republican. You know, the Democrats helped Trump raise the debt ceiling when he was in office. You often don't hear about this because something just happens in the background because obviously no one wanted to default. But the Republicans are, you know, these, these particular crop of Republicans are complete nutters and are genuinely threatening to to default the US economy unless Biden makes some concessions. So this 99-page bill needs to pass a crucial vote uh, this week in the House of Representatives. Otherwise, the default would happen, we think, on Monday. So, like, the 5th of June, the next time we record an episode of this podcast, like, it will have passed. Either we'll have had an economic recession that we've never seen before, or everything will be the same, which it probably will be the same because this deal is appeared to be reached. But the proposed bill basically limits non-defense spending and temporarily expands work requirements for some food stamp recipients. The US system, their welfare state, is very, very different to how we understand our welfare state. But it's a way of the Republicans gutting and cutting areas of social security and their equivalent of the welfare state. Um, to kind of it's from for their argument it's to reduce government spending but the truth is it actually increases government spending because these people then um, are less productive in the economy and therefore they can pay less in taxes so they get more and on the taxes point it also cuts so last year in the u.s budget deal um, the u.s government gave 80 billion extra in new irs spending the irs is a tax office who goes and collects taxes from the american citizens uh, and it cuts 20 billion off the 80 billion that they were given extra in that budget, which um, which this extra spending was designed to curb tax avoidance. So, like, it doesn't. I don't understand economics that well, which is why Emily's the kind of point person in economics here. But you don't have to kind of be too intelligent to realize that the U.S. government needs more money in taxes to be able to pay you know, for the social services and stuff. So cutting the number of people and the funding for the people who provide and collect the taxes is only going to increase the deficit and increase the need to increase the debt ceiling again in the future. And this whole thing is a massive political, like, it's, it's a football that the Republicans are trying to use to control and get concessions out of Biden to push their very, very, you know, neoliberal, anti-big state um, capitalist, view and it's and the thing is 
this deal has to pass, otherwise the entire global economy crashes. And it's just it's quite a depressing yeah. um, story to talk about because this shouldn't be a thing. The debt ceiling shouldn't be a thing. The US should be able to you know to borrow as much money as possible. Obviously, I think you would argue that it shouldn't be in a state where it's issuing bonds to pay off previous bonds. But is it better that it's doing that than it is um, crashing the world economy? Obviously. So. Can I introduce everyone to one of my favourite things? Um, which is the debt the clock. Oh. Have you seen... I was showing Adam yesterday. He wasn't very it's interested. It's a very... Compl- I, that's not true. It's a very Look, complicated... this is... If you Google the debt clock, uh, we'll put a link to it somewhere. You can watch the debt of these countries... See, look, that uh, is the current debt of the US. It's just going up and up and up. The US? Uh, Thirty-one trillion. And the th- and the and the approximate debt, debt ceiling limit is thirty-one trillion. So oh that's, that's shit! The point. We are on the we're on the precipice. Um, the UK is on three point seven trillion. Um, coming in at number two. So the US is the most in debt country. Mm. Coming in at number two is China on fourteen trillion. Then Japan. Japan. Um, it's actually thrilling, and then also it has the GDP, and then it has the public debt ratio, which is quite fun. Which is kind of per, per um, person, how much debt each person has. No, it's like the ratio of debt to GDP. Right. Um, oh, you can actually see how much each individual. Hang on. Although that's a bit of a like a bit of a bullshit. The US because some mm, individuals incur more debt than let's others. Have a look. If you average, that's if you average out the debt across every single yeah. person. Because then but that's easier that's to compare. Because obviously Japan, uh, obviously Japan. The US and China are going to be in more debt than us, you'd hope, because we have less people. Let's see how much. um, I just want to show you guys how much debt each, like, averaged out in the UK, how much government debt. So, like, if every person in the UK paid this amount, then we wouldn't be in debt anymore. And it's just my iPad is just loading. Talk amongst yourselves. Live on the pod, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Emily's iPad loading up how much national debt. Fuck I just want to know, like, okay. it is quite interesting to be like, if everyone paid this amount, then no one how in the UK. Right, it's just, hang on, it's I loading. I do respect I the... Give, I would give 10 you give a tenner back just to help the government. Right. Bless Can I just they say need, they need the help? Like, bear I, I mind, I've, just, I've just said that our economy is in three trillion pounds worth of debt. Mm. It's not so some a quick maths. I can't even like. Yeah, your tenner's not doing a whole lot. Why is this taking so long like, to that's load? A lot of gumballs, I guess. Gumballs. I mean, I do respect the US kind of uh, approach to paying the debt, which is like it's kind of similar to a drug dealer in debt. <laughs> Uh, insofar as like, yeah, you're not getting that back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the thing is, people are getting it back, but then they have to take out. Okay, they have to go. be like, okay, so in order to pay you back your twenty pounds, can you give me twenty more, and I'll pay you that back again later? So it's just, it's the same bit. It's still government issued bonds. Actually, if every taxpayer paid seventy eight pounds fifty seven p, we'd be we no help, longer we in debt. I, I might have that. In, uh, oh, I can probably. I spent eighty. Do you think oil people would be opposed oh, to doing that? It I doesn't achieve what, another thing. What better place would we be in the pot? Oh. Does that, does that count as more debt? Because I'm technically There's two conversations the going on here, and Jack's them. asking a very valid question. And so is Tom. Tom's asking Okay, if Tom, take, you go first. If he takes it out of his student oh, loan. Oh, there you go. I get prime guest spots. If he, if he takes it out of his student loan, is that more debt for the government? Like, because obviously if I pay them, like the student loan is given by the government. So is that more debt? Because he's just paying the government back the little bit of money they gave him. That's too difficult for me to answer, I'm afraid. Jack, what was your question? <laughs> would th- would it make any difference to, to us? No. So I don't because debt doesn't actually pounds. necessarily mean anything. Yeah, There's not a finite number 
of monies in the no. world. You just it's, basically but yeah, the, the debt, debt, the size of debt doesn't really. Those are two words. This is this is a hot take. Hot take. Hot take. Hot take. If I've understood economics well, which I'm not sure. Hopefully, you have because you are the entire. That's the entire point. The size of the debt doesn't necessarily matter. The most the most important thing is the most important thing is how you pay it back. And the confidence. So if, if the yeah. US government are not paying it back, that is the biggest problem with the debt. Yeah, obviously. Are they paying it back? No. Well, well, well they, they might not be able to. At the to. moment they are, but if they if they reach debt and they can't take out, they can't pay it back. Should I loan money to I the US? No, if, it's all do good, Do you guys. have a spare 31 trillion? Because then, yeah, they need that. I'm in overdraft at the moment. <laughs> Slightly more than my overdraft. <laughs> <laughs> I can contribute if we put our overdraft together, hmm. That <laughs> it might be just over. Gotta <laughs> <laughs> make it. Jack yeah. and I solve the US economy. <laughs> okay. Make him our bitch. Is that all we have to say about <laughs> yeah, I think so. inflation, Boris um, Johnson, when and we debt? Come back, we're gonna have a live talk about about music and uh, how music affects politics and protest songs. I'm looking like forward to this. Yeah, I'm so am I. So see, I'm gonna sing most of these songs. Oh yeah, hopefully. Um, yeah. If you're wearing headphones, turn them down. See in a minute. Turn them up. <laughs> Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Any Politics. Uh, to this bit is going to be headed by our debutant. Debutant? 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 Um, debutant. What's a debutant? De- you. Your debut. Like, you know your debut album, your debutant. You're a debut pod guest. So, yes, Jack, what have you got for us Virgin. today? Virgin. So. <laughs> <laughs> we like to neg our guests. <laughs> On the regular. Moving forwards. <laughs> I have got a small collection Ooh, of UK artists phenomenal. with political undertones because I thought you could speak forever and a day about music and politics and if we wanted to like go from the very start until now we'd yeah. probably be here for like 10 hours exactly that's quite a long time and that yeah. would have taken a lot of research and as we found out earlier we're all very busy we're all very busy <laughs> very busy so I've got to count my rice after this exactly as I was saying we could speak forever about music and politics so I decided to narrow it to firstly the UK and that makes sense secondly just a few artists that i like (laughs) (laughs) as you should so we're going to commence with ub40 fantastic what a band also from birmingham ah there you go Uh, oh jack's from birmingham Um, rummy roots can't you hear it yeah well near birmingham before we get all intensive purposes there will be a playlist of all the songs we're going to talk about today in the description of the podcast on spotify Uh, so like you can listen to them and if you don't know quite know which song we're talking about then Yes. You can listen to the whole thing. So, Moran UB40 are an English reggae pop band formed in December 1978 in Birmingham. The band has more than 50 singles in the UK single charts. Wow. It had, doesn't currently have. That would mean it was taking over almost the entire chart. It's like currently dominating the charts. Ed Sheeran's like, please go on. Sorry, do you think with our playlist we can get UB40 back in the charts? Oh, yeah, I reckon so. Maybe. Guys, that's our mission. We're getting you so before we're back we're in the So we're going to give our student loan to the US government yep. and then we're going to single-handedly bring back... We're fixing all the world's drumming. problems today. Yeah. They you could do it, to be fair. It might get them back together because I don't know if you know, but there's currently two UB40s on tour. Oh. Because they the band Should had an argument UB? split in half they, and now there's so like... Why are they not, oh, why what, are they like, not UB20? The IRA. <laughs> <laughs> you got like the IRA and then the provisional IRA and then the they, real IRA. Why are they not... The I feel like I, my joke didn't get... Why are they not UB20? Oh. Because, Adam, funny you should ask why they're called UB40. Oh, right, that was go. the um, UB40. No, it was not a postcode. Yeah. 
So we go. <laughs> Let the man speak. UB40, I believe, I'm getting, getting this right, was the um, number on their slip when they were going to claim benefits for being unemployed. Oh. Well, so I that was the UB40 slip. Oh, fantastic. Um, they sold over 70 million records. And yeah, they've got a very diverse lineup with musicians of English, Irish, Jamaican, Scottish, and Yemeni heritage. It says parentage. <laughs> also, that. So. Um, sorry, briefly confused myself. That's <laughs> fine. Um, so, yeah, there's currently two, U- two UB40s on tour because I had a big sort of fallout. I think it was money related. They did like an enormous world tour. And then they got to the end of it, and there was just no money. Wow. And no one, nobody knew where it had gone. And they'd done this like, enormous world stadium tour and like, made no money from it because someone along the line had just taken it all away. Jesus. There's actually quite a few interesting UB40 documentaries out there if anybody oh, wants to check them out. Um, so, they have a lot of political undertones in their music, and mm. I picked three songs. Fantastic. The first song is called If It Happens Again, mm. which is a tune. Um, the... Chorus says, if it happens again, I'm leaving. I'll pack up my things and go. I won't say I told you so. This is in reference to Margaret Thatcher's conservatory. Conservatory? (laughs) (laughs) In reference to Margaret Thatcher's conservatory. They lived opposite the way (laughs) and they had like no... They were quite she'd built a conservatory. conservatory. She's such a conservatory person. It was that big that it overlooked Birmingham. (laughs) (laughs) She she built it around Birmingham. There's a controversy around it, yeah. She put the whole of Birmingham in a conservatory. Exactly. Really um, toasty in there. No, Margaret Thatcher's <laughs> Conservative Party victory in the 1983 UK election, and they were upset about that. Hence the lyrics. Fair enough. Leaving. Yeah, yeah. Which is I hate to tell them something. <laughs> <laughs> did they leave? Uh, yes, they well, they went on one tour. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Technically, they did. Yeah. Okay, that concludes the first song. Fantastic. It's a banger. It's a banger. Listen Would to recommend it. checking now. it out now. UB40, I grew up listening to a lot of UB40. Shout out my dad. He loves a bit of UB40. Shout out Simon. Simon. Um, Simon. The next song by UB40 is called Rat in Me Kitchen. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Whoa, whoa. That's how it starts. Yeah. Whoa, whoa. There's a rat in my kitchen. What am I going to do? So, funnily enough, this was a track written by Astro, one of the members, in response to Ali Campbell being troubled by a rodent in his new home. And they well, were like, Alistair we need to Campbell. write it. Ali Campbell. Is not Alistair Campbell. No, not Alistair Campbell. <laughs> Ali Campbell? Campbell, the lead singer of UB40. Oh, right, they okay. were trying to write a song, and Ali was like, not now, Astro. This is some rats in my kitchen. There's some rats <laughs> in my kitchen. And then they were like, oh, wait a minute. This is a fantastic metaphor for, again, Margaret Thatcher. Oh. There's a theme here. Oh, actually, there's, there's a little tangent there, because Thatcher was famous for, this is my early public songs coming up. She was Putting rats in a thing called no. She used to have a thing called the kitchen cabinet, didn't she? Oh, Where yeah. she used to invite people into Ten Downing Street, like ministers who she was like disagreeing with, and she used to like cook them dinner, and like it was very kind of that, um, you know, that gender normative. The woman was cooking. It was she was prime minister at the time, but she was like cooking dinner for them, and it was how she kept such incredible party unity in her parties by like she, she was quite like Thatcher was not a nice lady no one I don't think thinks her as nice lady but within that cabinet she was very you know very generous very kind to the individuals in it she used to come around to, for dinner parties ba- basically number 10 she would invite like individual ministers who had issues with her policies round one on one chat to them over dinner in a kitchen it's cabinet it's a kitchen cabinet and then Tony Blair's got called something else didn't it um, yeah because he wasn't no. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> Did she cook dinner for UB40? I think the answer is probably no. Probably no, not. there's a rat in their kitchen. I'm oh. not going anywhere near there. <laughs> <laughs> so, another great tune. And then finally, 
in the UB40 segment. We have a song called One in Ten. Um, yes, here we go. UB40, whose name references the serial number for a UK unemployment benefits. They wrote the song concerning the 9.6% of residents in England's West Midlands region, where UB40 are from, um, who are on public assistance. So one in ten refers to basically the level of unemployment. And the lyrics are, uh, I'm a one in ten, a number on a list. I'm a one in ten, even though I don't exist. Nobody knows me, but I'm always there. A statistic, a reminder of a world that doesn't care. Gosh. It's like spoken word poetry, isn't it? It is. It's nice. It's, it's nice slam, hearing it without the song. Like, it's quite like you know the yeah. lyrics are quite. It's lovely. They and work on their own. Yeah, it's, mm. it's wonderful. Um, again, I thought it was another. You know, it's a really catchy song with a quite a serious undertone. Mm. Good on them. Good on them. A great band. And I have a bit of a tenuous link to you before. God, what's well, your tenuous link, Jack? Birmingham. Uh, from Birmingham. I'm from Birmingham, and the keyboardist daughter went to my high school. Oh, was, wow. in, was in my yeah. Wow, there you that go. is a link, look at that. It is. Okay. Do you want to give her a shout out? Shout out Belen Virtue. Her name sounds Virtue. Her first Mickey. name is Belend. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say Belend and I was like, I don't think it's no. very fair to call her that. Like Belen. 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 Very got to roast her name. It's just Ellen with a B. <laughs> and Belend without the D. <laughs> <laughs> your your name right anyway the dad's called mickey virtue he plays the keys man's called mickey virtue what yeah, a name you know in ki- you i know wish in like i was called fucking yeah. virtue that's so cool you have a lot of the like ding ding in this kind of like reggae pop music you have a lot of what song. i think ding ding my god is that reggae <laughs> pop music here right now is that in the room no, we don't have licensing for that. Oh, well. <laughs> Thanks. The legal expert. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> um, to the specials. Yo, I'm doing now what to do. Now you know this is the end. Adam, were you in a band? <laughs> I was actually, yeah. So, um, <laughs> specials are an English two-tone and ska yeah. band formed in Coventry in 1977. Mm. We're going to be touching on their song Ghost Town, which was this the town second town ah, is coming like a ghost town. Ah, all, all the clubs are being closed down. Ah, this place ah, is kind of like a ghost town. Ah, okay, that's our little fans will play no more. Too much fighting on the dance floor. Yeah, ghost town. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, go, what's the fact? <laughs> okay, so it was the second of two UK number ones by the two-tone ska band, The Specials. Um, it was the final recording of The Specials in their original seven-piece lineup before they also split in two. Oh, it's interesting. How did they split, split, seven, yeah, split in two? Was one guy just half? <laughs> we got the left half of Ian. <laughs> well, you know, like in PE at school, when you'd have like any odd numbers, you'd have like a ghost like player oh, yeah, in the football like, when you swap play for both teams. Someone, yeah, maybe yeah. it's that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> one team goes ahead and they just join that one. <laughs> so the song addresses major problems with Britain in 1981. The year of the song's release, including urban decay, deindustrialization, unemployment, and violence in inner cities. But Whilst yeah. many believed that the ghost town that the ghost town by the special, the, yeah, nah, nah, let's go again. Whilst many believed that the ghost town the specials were referring to was the hometown of Coventry, Hall revealed in a 2009 interview with DJ uh, Niall on BBC Radio Five that it was actually about the north of England. He said, "We made a record of how we saw the north of Britain." 
People think it's about Coventry. It wasn't. It was about Glasgow, Liverpool, and Newcastle. It was about the North. The country was falling apart. You travelled from town to town, and what was happening was terrible. In Liverpool, all the shops were shuttered up. Everything was closing down. Margaret Thatcher had apparently gone mad. She was closing down all the industries, throwing millions of people on the dole. Mm. We could actually see it by touring around. You could hear the frustration, the anger in the audience. In Glasgow, there were little old ladies in the streets selling all their household goods, their cups and saucers. It was unbelievable. It was clear that something was very, very wrong. Yeah. So, quite a poignant song. Obviously, I think most people listening to this weren't really alive for that era. But also, isn't it funny that um, you're saying all these things about the 70s and then mm. you just got to look at Southgate and all the shops yeah. are closed. Also and like, yeah, unemployment's at its highest rate. We've got inflation. Oh, like Nothing's in, really changed. Who's in government? Was, who, who is in government then? Who's in government? Oh, mm. wait a minute. Fuck, it's so, the yeah. Tories. Sorry. Sorry, continue. Not to be political or anything. <laughs> Not to get political. Not to get political. <laughs> Same year as the Brixham riots as well, wasn't it? Mm. Race riots. Carry on. Hey. Sex Pistols. Woo! <laughs> yes, we're moving on to the Sex Pistols. What a band. Short-lived, yet long-influencing. The Sex Pistols were an English punk band formed in London in 1975 by Malcolm McLaren. A very interesting character. I don't know if any of you guys have seen the recent Sex Pistols series biopic on Disney+. Plus. Great watch. Nope. Bit gnarly, but a good watch. I've um, also shows sort of like called Vivian Westwood's whole pot, uh, role she played in the kind of manufacturing of the band. Because although... Um, <laughs> so yes, Vivian Westwood <laughs> played a big part in like fashion and punk and, you know, as I feel like fashion and music are also intertwined. Mm. But um, yeah, they were sort of manufactured and it's a very interesting story. Um, so yeah, they released God Save the Queen. God save the Queen. Fascist regime. Pretty good impression, actually. Thank you. Good work. My dad's from there. Sorry. Nothing. Carry on. <laughs> they played it on uh, <laughs> Newsnight once when they uh, so they did quite a really really good thing with it. Um, they got a letter in saying the BBC needs to be a more British establishment, mm. and so I think that we should. This is back when uh, Lizzie was still with us. <laughs> Um, and they said, I think that every uh, episode of Newsnight should be played out to God Save the Queen. So they put this on. <laughs> <laughs> it is the much, it's better than the National Anthem, oh, I have to say, but then that's not hard. <laughs> How is it better, Jack? Tell us. Well, let me tell you some, some <laughs> background on it. It's, it was released um, as a second single and was featured on their only student album, Never Mind the Bollocks, Here's the Sex Pistols. Um, song was released during Queen Elizabeth II's Silver Jubilee in 1977. The record's lyrics, as well as the cover, were very controversial at the time, and both the BBC and the Independent Broadcasting Authority refused to play the song. Mm. It had some like, imagery Dicey. of the Queen, yeah. and it was all very sort of like anti-monarchy, yeah. and in a very sort of conservative time, yeah, the yeah. Sex Pistols were kind of... So it was quite impressive, actually, how they managed to kind of sh shake up yeah, society and the government actually saw them as quite a significant threat. Punk, sort of punk just like in general is is really interesting insofar as uh, as how it's been kind of cracked down on. And so you had uh, uh, people like the Sex Pistols in the UK, but they got off relatively easily compared to like if you look up East German punk as well. Like that was a massive cultural backlash to um, uh, to the the highly highly conservative um, culturally conservative. Um, sort of outlook of the East German regime, but then also in Ireland and Northern Ireland as well, a lot of the protest songs against the British, um, or, or against British rule especially, came from punk and punk influence as well. Yeah, so stuff yeah. like um, Stiff Little Fing uh, Stiff Fingers and um, uh, U2 anti-war songs. But um, 
Yeah, no, so it, it, it's... Carry on, I've run out yeah, of things no, to say no, about I think, punks. I think it's really interesting how, like... Because obviously we live in more of a era now where we can express ourselves a bit more freely. Obviously there's still work to go, but we can yeah. still... Self-expression is a bit more encouraged. As opposed to, if you think back to then, and it's like so, especially... Yeah. Yeah. As sort of mass media controlled everything, it was either mainstream. It was all pretty much mainstream media, like your yeah, TV yeah. and radio, and that was sort of it. Like how you had to go through these channels. Well, yeah, how a band, things. like how essentially a band could almost derail, yeah. uh, like, and not how and the government saw it as being keeping everyone in line, yeah. and then it was suddenly pushing for like self-expression. Express themselves not only in like a. I think that's the thing is like it was, it was so expressed, so formulated as well. I think because it was a develop. A, everything was still developing at the time as well. Uh, everyone was everyone was still. You know, this is the BBC British Broadcasting Corporation. We have a very well specific way of doing it, and so how backlashed it came. You know, like you mm. hair in fucking mental ways. You know, wearing leather like completely yeah, beyond the yeah. surface, just pushing. To, Far to the extreme as well, and that's how it sort of surfaced, and that's what people wanted as well. Exactly, because the, the Sex Pistols sort of came about from Vivian Westwood's clothes shop, which Malcolm McLaren just kind of hung around, and some of the members would go in there, and one of the members, Steve Jones, was caught shoplifting from there. Wow. And then they were like, well, if you just kind of like come work here or like model for us and stuff, you, you don't have to steal this. And then like mm. they discovered he was a musician and whatnot, and then sort of Malcolm McLaren's big sort of idea sort of came together from there. But the song reached number one in the United Kingdom um, on the NME charts. And apparently only made it to number two, well, only, still very impressive, yeah, yeah. on the UK singles charts, as used by the BBC. However, the U BBC refused to play the song and refused to announce it that it reached number one, mm. which is interesting. And the fact that it only reached number two led to some accusations on the, that the charts had been fixed to prevent the single reaching number one. Um, in March 2001, the BBC wrote that the single reached number one in the UK in 1977, despite being banned by the BBC. It's interesting. The record cover depicting a defaced picture of Queen Elizabeth II was designed by Jamie Reid in 2001 and was named number one in a list of 100 greatest record covers by, of all time by Q magazine. And mm. moving on to another song, Anarchy in the UK, so their first single, sort of a call to arms um, and a state of nation address. Um, this sort of they the Sex Pistols sort of rose to fame after they used profanity on live TV, which was like one of the first mm. times I believe swearing had happened in the seventies or any time on TV. I thought um, you were just going to say the first time swearing ever happened. happened. Yeah, they invented swearing. swearing. Wow. <laughs> Thank fuck for that. Uh, I know. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. <laughs> um, so yeah, the group came a national sensation. That after, was shit. After basically dropping, I think they even dropped the f bomb. Or just said shit. Oh, that's quite funny. I can't remember what they said, but oh, at the time see. everyone was like, <gasps> um, and I think it just, you know, a whole sort of nation of teenagers were like, fuck yeah, fuck everything. Fuck. fuck. You're classic teenager. You're classic Stop. teenager, of which none of us are. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, another banging tune, Sex Pistols, great band, very interesting story. Right, here we go. But we're going on to Sam Fender <laughs> next. I fucking love Sam Fender. I fucking Fender. love Sam Fender. <laughs> big, Sam big Fender. Fan. Amazing voice. Also, a very pleasant man. I've heard from people who've interviewed him. I haven't met him or know people who have. So I know of someone who has met him and said he was a lovely guy. He seems nice, but yeah. you never know, you know? No, I'm sure he's a very pleasant man. Anyway, um, who is Sam Fender? I can tell you. Tom, oh, well, Tom, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shut the fuck up, Tom. This is Jack's bit. Oh, yeah, Jesus Christ. 
It can be a team effort. Tom. Oh, okay. It's cool. Cool. Well, so he was born in 1994 wow. in North Shields, <laughs> up near Newcastle. Newcastle. I feel like you're reading my notes. Tom. I'm not reading your notes. Wow. <laughs> I happen to know it. It's his birthday. I did. He's I know what his music what is based his off pin of number? the work of Jeff Buckley, which if you get a chance to listen to as well. Oh. And Bruce Springsteen. Beautiful. And and Springsteen. Mm. He's currently on tour with Bruce Springsteen, isn't mm. which is so amazing because two of my favourite artists. Because I'm actually really? 40 years old. Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> Do you not like Bruce Springsteen? No. Listen to the words. No. He's I'm a actually poet in right. Fucking, oh Emily Sinclair, if you're listening, we have had Sinclair. Sinclair. <laughs> We've had actual beef over my like she loves Bruce Springsteen and I cannot stand the guy. So I'm not I'm not gonna fall out with you um, as well. I think both Bruce Springsteen and Duran Duran are both shit. Shut the right. Adam, you've, you've given some very questionable musical taste. Back yeah. to Sam Fender. No, no. For a man that just based his entire personality around Bastille. Yeah. I don't think you can talk Where's the much problem there? Well, much problem there. No, okay, probably. Sam Fender. And Sam Fender. Sam Fender. So in March 2017, Fender released his debut single, Play God, which is oh. also very political. Which is a banger. His first it album, I think, is just is an amazing... I think the second one's Hypersonic better. Hypersonic Missile was a great album. Hypersonic's really good, but I'm not going to lie, the best one was The, board, the Borders. The Borders is fantastic. Uh, yeah, it's a very political... Again, another political tune. Yeah, I mean, all of them going are. Into and also dead, dead Boys as well is... is another... Like male suicide rates, isn't it? It's, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's a lovely... Like, he has very poignant songs. He's fantastic. And, and it's a way of talking about poverty and desperation and greed in such a, like engaging way and it's so the songs are fantastic something well. I very appreciate about Sam Fender's songwriting is that he manages to be political in a way that isn't preachy because mm. it can be a bit much can't it yeah, when exactly. it's like if it's a bit too on the nose yeah, it's not doing like, that kind of like oh I was poor oh I've gone through this it's talking about his experiences of, of having to like you know of living in poverty there's that line in um 17 going under where he's like you know started to shift gear and it's like you in, in on the on surface level it's on a, a metaphor. double entendre it's an on, it's a metaphor of like, i need to you know work harder change gear in a car you know that metaphor but it's also you know start selling cocaine to get by like well yeah i'm about i'm about to i'm about to, I'm about to go into that in oh, 17 going under. yes i, I think i have no you know i think it's great artist talking about where they come from that wasn't necessarily what I was referring to it's meant in sort of the fact that like you know when some it can be a bit in te- like I don't know. I feel like you need when you're writing a political song, you have to go about it in in a clever way. Yeah. Otherwise, people just feel like you're ranting at them. My yeah. my favorite, which I think is really hard to do, really hard to do. But I think that my favorite thing that he does is that he keeps his accent when he sings. He keeps his accent. Oh, I love he, it. He, he keeps yeah. all of like he doesn't um, southernize it. No, yes, yeah, it, it's, it's such like a really a strong idea. Really localized reference. It's such a Geordie, yeah, yeah. No, it's great. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. But I think that's we saw him on tour, and he, he has the Newcastle FC flag over his drum. Oh yeah, no, he yeah, absolutely yeah, does. Yeah. But it, it's yeah, and I think that's really important, especially in um, we're starting to get a lot. Uh, so so in, in the UK, a lot of media is, is very much London South based, um, which I think is really harmful, especially when. There is a lot of three missed experiences. I think, yeah, uh, I think, yeah, and Brummy, I'd argue, isn't exactly north north. Um, but hey, there I'm, is I'm a, a uh, there's a lot of missed, passed over experiences uh, in the un- in the UK, such a, like not not even a hundred miles away from us, mm-hmm. and it's completely missed out because all we get is the the young 30-something-year-olds from London experience, inevitably white as well, whereas, uh, and is what um, Mr. Fender covers in his li- lyrics as well, <laughs> uh, it is stuff which is just, 
I, I wouldn't say urban decay, um, but it, it it's definitely it, it. He always it always feels like they're not going anywhere in his songs as well. There's, there's, there's a sense of mm. well, obviously he has, and he's the proof otherwise. But this is happening in the United Kingdom, and I'm not about to regulate my words in similar ways as faint as Sex Pistols, I guess, yeah. in order to fit what's acceptable for you to broadcast. And these are all really local references to me, and it's a, such a personal song, and I think that's also poignant in um, when you're making a political commentary as well, is that if it means something to you, inevitably, it's going to be better as well. Yeah. Sorry, you were saying about Sam Fender. <laughs> no, no, I think, I think <laughs> what you said there is, is a very good point. Very poignant. Beautiful. Um, yes. Well done, Tom. Referring to his accent, you can hear it especially great in Howden Aldi Death Cue. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> which, is, which is a great Aldi. song. Whoa, 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 whoa! That's less than two fucking me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's exactly. Song. Yeah, that's that's my a song about. He saw, I think he saw someone in Newcastle, like he knew in Newcastle, tweet it, like taking a photo of the queue outside Aldi, and then like Howden Aldi Death Cue when it was like during COVID. During COVID, yeah. So he wrote a song about it. The two meters thing. It's a, it's a yeah, it's a brilliant album. We'll come back to you, Andrew, in a minute, Emily. Don't worry. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I, I got to the specials and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah Sex yeah, Pistols, yeah, I, I can just do about to do. Sam Fender, I'd, uh, Sam I, Fender. sorry everyone to so, disappoint. Yes, Sam Fender, born in 1994. He is a singer-songwriter from North Shields, near Newcastle, England. In March 2017, he released his debut single, Play God. Despite the track originally being recorded in his garden shed, it was later mixed by Arctic Monkeys uh, mm. alumnus, Barry Barnicott. I might have butchered that pronunciation, so I apologies if, if I have. Lending his gritty vocals um, to a more polished and radio-friendly sheen. Mm. So on the 6th of June, just three months after his debut single was released, he signed a record deal with Polydor Records. Mm. Good on Sam. He's, he's really risen in the last well, like five years. Yeah. Unlike oh. leavened bread, he has risen. Shut up. <laughs> oh, oh! I thought you were making inflation reference. No, oh, oh. No, you, I was you making meant like it bread. Like bread. Bread. Okay. Bread, yeah. bread. Bread reference. I just wanted to say the word leavened. What's leavened bread? It's just bread that rises. Oh, interesting. So now we're going on to hypersonic <laughs> missiles. The so the song it, the hypersonic missiles was all the name of his first album and also the lead single from the album, which is a great tune, and it's more of sort of like an observation of current affairs in the state of the world so speaking on it he said the song started out when i saw the term hypersonic missiles in a newspaper it's a newly developed russian missile that travels at something like nine times the speed of sound which is essentially unstoppable america currently has no defense against such a weapon they'd be helpless in the wake of an attack as we have roughly six minutes from the time it was launched uh, to the time it strikes that might change now and this was time came um, in many ways, hypersonic missiles is an unorthodox love song. Its main focus is on the world. Its main focus is on the world around the narrator, who is a complete tinfoil hatter. <laughs> they are convinced the world is on its last legs. They know it's rife of injustice, but feel completely helpless and lacking the necessary intelligence to change it, while remaining hopelessly addicted to the fruits of consumerism. Amongst all the chaos, is love and celebration. There is a glimmer of hope that runs through the song. A little notion that no matter what happens, these two people are going to have a fucking good time, regardless of the tyrants that run their world, and regardless of the imminent doom from these hypersonic missiles. Um, so yeah, it has lyrics such as Dutch kids huff balloons in parking lots, referring to NOS, the freaky taken in balloons, and another prevalent thing in the Netherlands. It strikes me about it, yeah, about um, Sam Fender's music is like how poetic he is. Mm. Um, I think he refines it more in his in Seventeen Going Under. He's a big fan of a 
a hook running throughout the song yeah, and then yeah, actually yeah. very sh short amounts of lyrical content which is then spread over several songs um but hypersonic missiles especially this is this is when he's trying to make his debut and it's, it's as you say a tune but it is also like the cities lie like tumors uh, all across the world a cancer eating mankind mm. hidden in our blind side it's, yeah, it's, you're just yeah. listening it's like whoa fucking hell sam i think it's got that <laughs> it's got that like level to it i don't think people necessarily pick up on it either like people don't the f most famous line in 17 going under is i was far too scared to hit him but i would hit him in a heartbeat now and it's the there's a there's a story of a domestic abuse and someone beating up your friend mm. and they're not being being too cowardly to defend them and and you know that that that, that person went to go to hospital and how he just kind of stood there and didn't do anything about it but i don't know i saw him as i said earlier like at a festival last year and he was brilliant and i just think that there's a genius to it where people don't necessarily pick up on it because on the surface level it's just a rock song and they're really good rock songs but that's when you know you did it right though it also speaks to you and it, but it, like, if you listen to it properly it's also it's it's deeper than that as well what i think separates him from the rest of um i'm not saying he's 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 worlds apart from or, or everyone that came before you know uh, dwarf standing on the shoulders of giants and all that but it's that he he covers less so literal issues which are going on in the world so uh, as the specials were saying people like in liverpool and glasgow but he's big on talking about issues to him so much so that he, he touches a lot on, on masculinity and the concept and, and I, I think in some ways that that is a, is a uh, cultural uh, protest in in some regards but if you listen to um uh spit of you and um dead boys as well it is it, it's 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 really really challenging but it, it he, in some ways he's protesting against his own conception of what it means to be a man, um, which is something I always find really interesting anyway, as a sort of feminist, uh, but <laughs> it's... Um, hashtag feminist pod. Hashtag feminist pod. Excellent, though. So, but Sam Fender, good song. Uh, this any politics endorses. Any yeah. politics This <laughs> section is getting quite long, so she moved yeah. to no Sorry, I'll, yeah. I'll move forward. Yeah, but yes, right. just to round it up, you know you've written a great song when you're like, fuck, this is a tune. At least the lyrics are like, wow, that's actually really well written as yeah, well. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's both. It's Incredibly like, difficult so many songs to do. There are great songs, but the lyrics are How shit. How would you know, Jack? Because <laughs> <laughs> I've never quite got that. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, I was going to touch 17 going under very quickly. Uh, he says it's completely autobiographical. When he was 17, his mum was being hounded by the DWP, Department for Work and Pensions. Um, she had fi fibromyalgia. I can't pronounce this word. No, fibromyalgia. Uh, and she was suffering from other ailments, ailments and mental health issues. She got sent to court three times to prove she wasn't fit to work. This is a woman who'd worked for 40 years of her life as a nurse. Um, she's not a liar and she's not a benefit cheat. She was a hard-working, fantastic, empathetic, incredible woman and they dragged her through the mud and made her ill. I saw how the government was treating good, honest, working-class people who have fallen on their back. They ripped apart every safety net for people in that position. I was old enough to understand what was going on but wasn't old enough to be, to be able to do anything about it. Which, again, he, he has lyrics such as um, She cries on the floor encumbered. Uh, the DWP see a number. I'm 17 going under. Which I think, yeah. Very, you know, sort of, sort of difficult lyrics to listen to, I guess. But mm. yeah, again, it's but a banging tune. If you listen to it, you're not hearing that. You're not. Uh, that's all there. But it's also it's 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 a it's a stadium filler. You know, it's a it's a dance one. You, it you is know, a stadium you're, you're filler. You're rocking to it. It's it's incredible. Alas, onto the 1975. I cannot talk about this as much because I don't know enough about them. So. 
I can. So we're all good. I'm a big nice 75 fan. No, she's got subtitles. Okay, so originating from Manchester, alternative slash pop group, the 975, had an extensive career with a significant amount of commercial success. The collective have been named Voice of a Generation, um, I believe by enemy, could be wrong, uh, amassing five consecutive number ones and over two billion streams, an average listenership of 16 million people a month on Spotify. Quite a big band. Um, they pride themselves on being out outspoken and touch on a plethora of issues in their music, such as LGBTQIA plus rights, racism, gun laws, and particularly climate change. So, we've got three songs to discuss. Um, I think I'm going to start with the song Love It If We Made It. Is anybody familiar with this song? We'll be listening to it on the playlist. Yeah, on the playlist. Tom, are you familiar? No. Okay. So, Love It If We Made It is essentially... So, like it's it's been named one of like the perfect protest songs essentially, and he's essentially the lead singer, Matilian songwriter, are essentially strung together. Like Adam, if you Google the lyrics, he's essentially strung together either like headlines or things basically just what's oh, happened yeah. in a very clever way, which is kind of like fucking hell. Like this is very hard to listen to, but also like you can't be upset with him that he said it because it's not what he. It hasn't yeah. come from him. It's literally just fact. Oh, there's a Trump quote in there. Yeah, there's, mate, there's loads of stuff. And if you just read it, you'd be like, what the fuck? No, yeah, I, I'm reading it and going, um, what the fuck? And the music video is also fantastic and also quite difficult to watch. There is also, like, what he's referring to, such as, like, um, like Trump and remember when there was, like, dead children being washed up on mm. shores and all that? There's, like, Moment very versus. difficult imagery to watch. But it's very well done. And watching it live is... This quite powerful. This song, this the the lyrics of it remind me, please forgive me, of the Bastille song Doom Days. Like what? It, sorry, the, the Bastille song Doom Days. Like it, it's very similar, and I'm not sure. Like it, I, I don't know this song, but I do know Doom Days, and it's very similar. It's that kind of. It's more. I I haven't heard the song, but it, it's like very much kind of just a. Kind of a, it felt like a list of fucking. This is what's going on. Yeah, and it's quite it intense. Felt like it's an, very sort an of observation for the artist to go. Fucking hell! What is the sh what the fuck is going on here? And like the, we'll put it on after. The song is essentially him just shouting, mm. but like it, it in a nice like way, <laughs> in a way that's fun to listen. Yeah, to. that is. And stop me if I'm wrong. Called singing. <laughs> shouting, what? In a, shouting in a nice way. Is that, that is revolutionary. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, he like the reoccurring lyric "Modernity has failed us." Um, it's quite poignant, but you know it's also sort of a symbol of hope. You know, I keep saying I love it. I'd love it if we made it. And it's kind of like a look. Here's all the shit going on. Let's do something. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, big tune. Okay, next song, "People." "People" was the lead single from the band's fourth studio album, "Notes on a Conditional Form," and was branded a cry for people to act against the world's problems. Um, it kind of like, 1975 are a, essentially a, a pop band. But this song was very, like, it was a brief departure from that sound, taking a step into kind of more grunge direction and commences with the lead singer basically screaming, wake up, three times. So it says, wake up, wake up, wake up. It's Monday morning. We've only got a thousand of them left. Which is very interesting um, because it's kind of like a wake-up call to the eco-crisis, right? But also refers to the UN and the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change warning that, that there were only 12 years to limit climate, the climate catastrophe, catastrophe at the time the song's released, which works out at roughly 624 Mondays. So when he's been like, it's Monday morning, we've only got a 1,000 of them left. It's kind of like a refer to how many Mondays we have left before we 
<laughs> explode, I don't know. Um, <laughs> that is a technical term, yeah, we will explode. <laughs> Lyrics such as living in a sauna, um, refer to, you know, global temperatures increasing and stuff. And it's also like a commentary on sort of consumerism and how we all live. It's like, The lyrics are, well, I don't like going outside, so bring me everything here. He's like, girls, food, gear. I don't like going outside, so bring me everything. It's like, you know, it's a commentary on just, I don't know, Man's the way delivery. everyone's living. You're sorry, Adam. Man's like delivery. Mm, yeah, exactly. Great tune. Would recommend listening. Finally, moving on to the self-titled song, The 1975. So with every album, The 1975's first track is called The 1975. It changes each time. For the first, yeah, for the first three albums, it was um, basically the same song but reimagined each time. This one is like a five minutes. It's basically instrumental by the 1975, with a five minute speech by Greta Thunberg, um, where again she's basically just cutting, uh, talking about the climate disaster. She goes on to say, uh, "We are right now in the beginning of a climate and ecological crisis, and we need to call it what it is—an emergency. All political movements in their present form have failed, and unless we recognise the overall failures of our current system, we most probably don't stand a chance." Um, she goes on to say, now we all have a choice. We can create transformational action or we can continue uh, with our business as usual and fail, implying current environmentalist policy is insufficient. Um, lyrics such as, we need a system of change rather than individual change, but you cannot have one without the other. Follow. Um, yeah. Well, you can't really argue that's not a radical piece of work. He's literally a climate activist <laughs> talking for five minutes about climate change. Very, you know, well done. And... I think it's interesting that they managed to get Greta Thunberg involved. And the lead singer went on to say that a lot of people actually, sh- a lot of artists have shied away from working with her, mm. not to get political. No, no, she gave a, um, Greta Thunberg gave a speech at Glastonbury last year between, I can't remember who it was, it was on Saturday or something like that. I wasn't there, but I was watching it on the iPlayer. And there was quite a lot of anger about it. And it's like, why are you making it all political? And it's just like... But then I swear, like, Jeremy Corbyn has been brought on. No, he Glastonbury. has. But yeah, also Jeremy, Corbyn more Corbyn. Political, Jeremy Corbyn went to but Glastonbury. But, like, also, it's just, like, it's just, you know, the, the continual, like, lack of discussion about climate change is is ridiculous. And I just, like, if I may... Um, th- on Not on to get political, On climate change. No, but, like, just the, the another protest album we haven't... It's not as kind of like overtly protest I don't think but it depends how you read it and I Which think to be honest, album is well actually I would argue <laughs> the four of the albums they are all every single Bastille album is a protest against something the first album is about is about like it's a very internal struggle that's going through. Second album is about media, which is my favourite album, Wild World. Third one is called Doom Days, and that's about climate change. The h- entire album is an allegory. Oh my God, he did. <laughs> and that's that's that that's the album. And then it, it's just it's a phenomenal. And I think that, but I think the kind of thing to take away from this is that the best protest songs are the ones that you can like enjoy without necessarily like knowing what they're about because yeah. the Sam Fender songs uh, it took me a while to get the, the Ghost meaning behind Town them Ghost Town is a tune uh, they're just they're, they're probably songs you've heard before and yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of impressive how they so effectively talk about these these issues and in, in these ways that and then they, the, the song sounds you know it's upbeat it's catchy you know you're going to play it on the, on the drive home you're going to play it when you're cooking dinner but actually it's about depravity it's about poverty it's about the end of the world and it's just really impressive how these artists manage to kind of bring these themes into these you know I think that's what you need ultimately people to listen for this music to be effective like really nobody wants to really listen to just something that comes across as preachy whereas when it's more of like "Mm, that's a thinker something to think about and very catchy
actually. It's like, mm, yeah, I'm more susceptible to talking about this and thinking about it. Yeah. So, well, there'll be a playlist of all these songs and all these artists in the description of the podcast, uh, and we'll put it on our link tree as well. And yeah, uh, yeah thank you for coming today, Jack. In no a minute, problem. we're gonna. So oh, you're, you're a bit I've of a musician a yourself. So Emily's made a game about about Ruth. Jack. Jack's staying for the game. Ah. That thus concludes my section. Thank you for having me. Welcome back, listener. Uh, in case you haven't listened to that 40 minute chat about music, uh, Jack is here. Yeah, we've been here. having some shorter episodes recently, so we thought we're just going to have a fuck off chat about yeah. Sam Fender for about half an hour. And um, there you go. <laughs> Jack from Gymshark, the men, but most importantly for this game, Outline. Outline. Um, his, his multi ticket selling band. <laughs> Who, so multi stream winning fun. band. Could we just clarify what the men is? Just because I feel like out of context. <laughs> no, I think we leave it out of context. It's Jack's podcast. But that that, is that sounds gonna like it's going to be this like really horrible alpha male thing when actually it's me and my housemate Joe talking about tables for 45 minutes. As, as you should. It's going to well, be phenomenal. Phenomenal. for the record. It doesn't. For record? For record, it doesn't actually exist yet. So no, the men, once the men comes out, there will be a men yeah. any politics collab, but it's as a moment a work in progress. Yeah. Okay. So I thought for this for this section, it might be fun to get to know Jack. Um, obviously, because the men doesn't exist yet. So and I haven't started Gymshark yet. And you haven't started Gymshark yet. So the only way we could do that is through Outline. So I have got some reviews of Outline, <laughs> and I've created this game. Is it Jack or is it Whack? Um, nice. But first, I just want to read the beginning of one of the reviews that has caught my eye. It's that um, there must be something in the water over the West Midlands. First, we had Duran Duran swim yes. deep, and now we have Outline, which you've been compared to Duran Duran, which I think is very, very exciting. Very exciting. I wouldn't take that as a compliment necessarily. Okay, well, that's and just you. And also, shout out Swim Deep. Yeah, Swim Deep. Are you joking? joking. It goes Duran Duran Outline Swim Deep. Outline, actually, you're on my playlist. Thanks, mate. Swim Deep are also great. I work with them now, fun fact. There you go. There you go. Okay, so I've got... Swim Deep is bad advice for swimming lessons, though. Don't do that. Swim up. Unless you are a scuba diver. I'm not teaching them. Anyway, moving okay, on. Okay, so I've got six um, reviews. Some of them are Jack, some of them are Whack. Um, and this whole thing is Whack. Wacko, Okay. So Adam and Tom are going to guess first, and then I'll guess finally. Yeah, and then I'll tell you the answer. Yeah. Except I've not actually written down the answer, so that might be interesting. Are me and Tom a team? Or are we Well, bearing we in mind, I have never listened to anything. Neither have I. Well, I've listened Jack a little bit. Of what? Of you so haven't sorry. listened to Candid? Candid's good. Blu-rays. Blu-rays is good. I would actually really like the to other ones. Put them on the I put them on the playlist. I just haven't got round to it yet. I mean, this is something you could play on the pod because I can give you permission. <laughs> oh, sick. our outro music today will be the start of Candid by yes. Outline. Okay, so this is the first one. Is this Jack or is it Whack? Oh, all the ones that are Whack are reviews of something else. Oh. oh. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So That'd be really difficult for us. Jesus. Okay. So, the lead singer's vocals are like a blend of Ed Sheeran and Matty Healy. Is this a review of Jack or is it a review you of are quite, else? You do the falsetto, so I think it is Jack. I feel like that's Jack. I was not prepared for this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, it's, it's, it's a bit falsetto. Uh, like, I reckon it is Jack. But, like, Ed Sheeran and Matty Healy is a weird... Uh, Matty Healy is the lead singer of the 975 and Ed Sheeran is obviously Ed fucking Sheeran. I, I wouldn't say that necessarily, but I think they're going for quite soft but higher pitched vocals. So, 
I agree with it. Whack. It is actually Jack. It oh. is me. Our very own Ed Sheeran <laughs> and Matty Healy. That's what it looks like when you combine the two of them. The yeah. viewers are not <laughs> smiling. <laughs> okay. Is this Jack or is it Whack? Banging drum and bass throughout the whole blank because <laughs> that gives it away flawlessly as i bounce about doing the housework it can't be it's, it's not it's not drum and bass that type up. music so i did that that's whack someone might have said it whack it is whack it it's is actually whack. a view, review of a speaker and i didn't realize <laughs> that it says speaker <laughs> okay number three their sound is a hybrid of all things fabulous is this jack or is it whack aka is it jack or is it a high school musical review I really hope it's Jack. Their sound is a hybrid of all things. You know what, fabulous. Jack. It's Jack. I think it's. Oh. I, it must be High School Musical because it's. It's a High School Musical. No, it's a song. Don't give in. To I, I, no, I don't think you're not fabulous, Jack. I just. I think it's Jack. Jack. Is it Jack or is it Whack? I think it's me. It's Jack. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number four. Electrifying, charismatic, and utterly genuine from the get-go. Is this Jack? Whack. No whack. Or is it a review <laughs> of Bluey? Bluey. It's a review of Bluey. Bluey. Like, I, f I fucking love Bluey. Bluey is phenomenal. Bluey's like the best show. You don't think Jack is electrifying, charismatic, that. and utterly genuine from the get-go? Yeah, but I think Bluey is more. Bluey is more. Jack? Jack uh, or Whack? I feel like it, it is me. It's Jack! <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> you're, looking, you're looking very good in this section, my friend. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Number five. Uh, who are these reviews from? Like, your mum? <laughs> that one just was people I've paid. That, <laughs> that one was me, actually. It's you. Just yeah. that's, why, that's why he's so deep into his overdraft. <laughs> that one was written by Bateman Jack. Yep. Okay, number five. We've got two more. <laughs> Takes a few goes to adjust to the timing. Oh, Jack um, or Whack? That's Whack. Go on, Tom. There's a, little, there's a wry smile <laughs> on your face. What are you thinking, mister? No. Um, whack. I think it's whack. It, it's actually a review of a toaster. Ah. ah, nice. It's not Jack. That is whack. Okay, number five. Oh, number six. This is the final one. Jack or whack. Was surprised at how well made it was. Would recommend. That's got to be a review of like a bread. <laughs> yeah, that'll be like that'll be like a uh, well put together. I, know, play, I think, I think there were plenty of people surprised at how, <laughs> ma how, how well made it Jack was. Jack or whack? That's, that's whack. It is whack, but do you want to guess what it is? Is it a on? table? A no. chair? No. Is it our podcast? No. <laughs> is it something practical? Mm, it depends on your idea of practicality. Is it a dildo? <laughs> No, it's an egg slicer. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Surprisingly well made. So there we go. That was... Um, <coughs> Fun and whimsical. Jack or whack. That whole thing was whack. Right. I loved it. I Okay. Jack, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. We'll thank have you, you on I'm, again, I'm sure. At some point. Um, just to let the listeners know, there is one more episode next week. And then yeah. we break for June slash start of our placements. And the show will take a different format in probably July when we yeah we're not we sure how it. we don't know I'm the one with the microphone pardon I'm the one with the microphone exactly we're going oh, to we're going to be sitting around I think around. the situation will be the okay, situation. Jack really needs a wee so let's wrap this up <laughs> you can go Jack it's fine I, I, I'm here to the very end 
Okay. You're committed. I was just going to say the, the format of the show will probably be me, Emily, and Tom in our shared kitchen yes. recording a podcast. Jack has stood up. He needs to eat so, so much. Just before we finish off, I do have a 20 minute rant. Oh, Okay. That is the end of this episode of AE Politics. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions about inflation or debt or anything, don't ask us. Um, ask me. Ask Jack. <laughs> ask Jack. Listen you need to, to the wait. playlist. Look at our link tree and have a great Thank week. Thank you for coming in today, Tom. It was less like me coming in and, and more I just was brought. Yeah, thanks, thanks Jack. Uh, you're welcome. It's a little bit weird, we dance now. Thank, <laughs> thank you, Emily. Uh, you're welcome. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, guys. Thank uh, okay, bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 Our outro music today will be The Start of Candid by Outline. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Any Politics. I've recorded again in the studio, but everyone else's mics are still on, so you might hear some burping. <laughs> Emily's having a snack, but you're actually their mics are now muted, so you can just hear my dulcet tones. Any Politics is hosted by Adam Wright and Emily Gray. That's me! This week's guests were Thomas Lowe and Jack Bateman. The show is produced by me, Adam Wright, Emily Gray, Thomas Lowe, Woo! Samaya Ali, and Amy Joy. Apparently. <laughs> A&E Politics is a University Radio Bath production. <laughs>